3: Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles.
1: New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo
2: quick pass caught by Kittle. He dives and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is gonna go. Touchdown. Yeah, you heard it there. It's Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. That guy sitting right over there is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today sports media group. And we're getting ready for Monday Night Football. The 49ers take on the Bills at State Farm Stadium down in Arizona. Uh, but first, Chris, uh, you were on Kyle Shanahan's video conference call today. And I want to I chat with you about the news before we kind of get to the three things that we're looking for from this game. And then later on in the pod, we'll talk with George Shahori from Pro Football Focus. He's a podcaster at PFF, covers the whole NFL, but he is a Niner fan at heart and follows the team very closely. Uh, So we had a really fun chat with him uh, that uh, that I'm looking forward to having you guys here. But Chris, first, um, I know we're both big beer guys. Yeah. And uh, I got to try from rogue brewery their uh peppermint bark milk stout
1: okay sounds very Christmassy.
2: it dude it's like it's like if christmas punched you in the mouth but in the best way possible (laughs) and
1: (laughs) (laughs) the best way to get punched in the mouth
2: (laughs) i'm well and here's but here's the thing is i'm not i'm not usually like a big flavored beer guy yeah um like, just give me, just give me this straight up. And I mean, I like a flavored beer, but I, I like Rogue Brewery in general. They have a, they have a hazelnut nectar beer. That's like my favorite beer on the planet. Uh, I saw that they had this, it is peppermint bark, which I love peppermint bark. It's like my favorite holiday treat. Uh, and then a milk stout, which is like, I love a milk stout, especially in the winter. So put those two things together. And uh, it was it was dynamite. And I was going to save it to share with somebody like you who appreciates good beer. But I couldn't wait. and I'm sorry. Yeah. I brought that up fine. to apologize to you.
1: There, there's <laughs> a thing going around. So we probably couldn't really hang out anyway. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I've been uh, I got a four pack of uh, Outrigger from Moonraker. Sure. And um, I've been I've been drinking one can a night for the past three nights. Uh, after this pod, I'm going to I'm going to finish number four. Um, because it's that good. And I just like drinking one beer because it tastes good and, and then getting a good night's sleep and trying to work the next day. Um, because that gets increasingly hard when you, when you drink the older you get like, uh, like (laughs) us old men, but, uh, yeah, let's talk about this Bills game. I think it's going to be interesting. Yeah. I want to start first though, with
2: Kyle Shanahan's video conference today. Oh, right. Uh, Okay. Here's what, this is something I was going to text. I was going to text you and Nick Wagner this, but. I forgot and now I'm just gonna bring it up here because I struggle with it every single time I write about a Kyle Shanahan press conference. Okay. Are we calling it a press conference? A video conference? A video press conference? A Zoom meeting? What are um, we what are we
1: calling these things? I've called them news conference over Zoom. I'm trying to think like I've come up with a bunch of different ways to to name them and copy. I haven't stuck with one. Because I like when writing <laughs> something, I can never unhealthy. write the same word over and over again. <laughs> right. I hate um, that. Um so I like some after the first reference you always just say said, but I think it, I think a video conference on Zoom is fine or um an elect uh not an electronic news conference. That doesn't sound right, but I don't know. I don't think it really matters. You can say over Zoom. I, I think it's pretty much assumed at this point, given how far we are in the season, that right. it's over Zoom.
2: I'm just afraid I'm going to write press conference and somebody's going to be like, Dale, the press conference.
1: Imagine being that guy that's that's taking you to task over the naming of <laughs> over I'm here how to, you termed I, I whatever here, it was. I am here to
2: blog accurately. <laughs> right. Um, you know I, I was
1: reading this blog this blog post on NinersWire.com and, and he called it a, a press conference. And I just I couldn't have that. So I had to send him a comment on Facebook.
2: First of all, that <laughs> implies somebody reads what I'm writing, okay. which is a stretch to begin with. <laughs> okay. No, but g- go ahead. There was a little bit of news from the video news Zoom press conference today.
1: What was it? It, it wasn't. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of news. It was just Kyle Shanahan talking candidly about um, the issues the 49ers are going to have while they're in Arizona, uh, potentially dealing with mental health. And this is, you know, he he mentioned that. Um, the nba bubble within that bubble in orlando guys were able to hang out and you know do stuff and those guys could uh you know play billiards games and cards and uh golf and go fishing and stuff like that like at least for this week the niners are gonna be basically quarantining in the hotel when they're not practicing all of their meetings are are electronically over zoom a lot like the press conferences Um, and then they created a makeshift locker room in the convention area with a makeshift weight room and training room. Um, but the, the issues with mental health stem from like, after the day is done, these dudes are just going up to their hotel room and like, that's their night. They're going to chill in the room alone. Um, and you know, like stream stuff, play video games, uh, FaceTime, like all of that stuff. And that stuff is fine as somebody who's, who's sort of been doing that for a while until you get to a certain point. Right. And so what Shanahan said is he basically talked to, um, he talked to about 20 of the players and said, look, if, if you guys see anybody going through um, any sort of mental health issues or, you know, depressed or feeling a certain way about things or whatever it may be, like talk to somebody. Um, and I thought it was really important and, and noteworthy that a coach would say something like that publicly, because that stuff is important and it's going to be really difficult. I, I don't think it's going to be too difficult this week because it's going to be new, but those guys are going to get real tired of the hotel by like, you know, in two weeks as anybody would, because it's human nature and they're not going to be able most likely as cases are continuing to surge in Arizona too. Like they're not likely going to be allowed to ever really go out on the you know, go out and, and have any sort of, um, life or have any social activity outside of the hotel. So it's going to be tough. And Kyle Shanahan acknowledged that. Um, and, and I think that was sort of the interesting topic of the day. And, uh, you know, I'm curious to see if and how it impacts the 49ers against Buffalo or, you know, I'm not expecting it to so much this week, like I said, but like down the road, um, is it going to impact them if, if, if they have to play, um, you know, if they have to work out of Arizona through the next month and and maybe the entire season, which seems like a pretty distinct possibility, what's that going to look like? You know, weeks fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen, when all those guys are just you know are are going to be having so much time alone in their hotel rooms and how that impacts them and and if it impacts them at all in the field, it'll it'll be interesting to see.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm. It's such a. I'm not quite sure the word for it because I don't want to imply that anything being affected by the pandemic is, is good in any way, but it's going to be fascinating to see how this ties in with a team that's ultimately battling for a playoff spot still. like How big of a storyline is this going forward? Is this something that, even though, and and Shanahan brought this up, I can't remember who asked, but somebody basically tried to say like, hey, is this going to be a bonding experience like training camp? And it, It's obviously not because they're quarantining between Zoom meetings and between practices. And I, I don't think that there's. I, it's going to be fascinating to see if this is something that ultimately is like, hey, this derailed their season. It's too much to put on. To human beings to perform at a high level in an NFL game while also dealing with whatever is going on with them personally, with their families, and temporarily relocating away from their families. Um, you know, any 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 mental health issues they're having uh just because of the pandemic in general, because it's it it weighs on people differently. You can understand where that would start to be too much. Or yeah, is this something totally. that Or is this something that the team kind of says like, hey, yeah, we can't hang out, we can't be together, but we all have to be laser focused. And if we're going to be uh, away from our families and and away from our wives and girlfriends and kids and moms and dads, we might as well go win a bunch of games. And it's something that kind of galvanizes them that way. I think it's going to be or or, or does it end up just kind of being like, "Okay, this is just how it is now. Like we've had to accept yeah. so many strange realities in 2020, is this just going to be another one? I'm yeah. very interested.
1: Yeah, and I think going forward too, like, are there going to be any lasting residual effects from you know this season? Like, it say the 49ers in 2024 win a Super Bowl, like, is there going to be anybody on that team? It was like, man, I remember when we had to go to Arizona at the end of 2020 and the pandemic was going on we couldn't even play in Santa Clara we were dealing with all these injuries and we almost made the playoffs and like man like that was the worst year ever but i think we're so much tougher because of it and that helped us you know win the super bowl in 2024 like i right the, there's stuff like that could could potentially happen and sort of set a foundation of toughness that i think this team already has but like this is going to be a a unique experience that only everybody on this team and in the organization right now can say they experienced and they did that together. And there there's a certain level of like, when you go through experiences like that with somebody, you can get, you can gain a certain level of trust with them and like stuff like that matters. Like we talk about the, you know, the culture and how the, how tight the locker room is like, this could be something that these guys never forget. And maybe they can turn it into something um, that materializes positively down the road um you know i don't you know who knows but it's it's gonna be it's just gonna be a unique experience i wish i I wish there could be you know some sort of reporting from inside that hotel room um because it would be fascinating to to have access like that just to see what's actually happening behind the scenes beyond what we get in the in zoom news conferences i
2: bet not a lot (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot a lot of nothing
1: going on yeah but uh but Yeah, anyway, it'll be interesting to see and uh, and we should talk about the Bills game though.
2: Yeah, we get to see kind of the the manifestation of this on on Monday when the 49ers quote unquote host the Bills at State Farm <laughs> Stadium in in Glendale. And this is a I mean, this to this to me is a turning point game in whether the 49ers have a have a real shot. I've been describing their playoff chances as as a long shot, or they'd need a miracle postseason run, or it's a very steep hill to climb. But I think that narrative shifts if they knock off the Bills on on Monday night because the Bills they lead the AFC East, they're eight and three, they're currently the fourth seed in the AFC. If the Niners knock off the Rams and then the Bills in back to back weeks, all of a sudden you're wondering who they who they won't be able to beat the rest of the way whereas if they lose it kind of feels like all right well even if they win out it's it's a little bit of a long shot that they get in
1: yeah i mean here's the thing having beat the rams now if you beat the bills and then look at the rest of the schedule washington dallas arizona and then seattle i mean if you beat the bills going 3 and 1 down that stretch does not seem does not seem out of the question at all right the cowboys are a mess washington is you know still like they're playing better recently but they're still not a particularly good team and then arizona is probably your equal at that point if if you if you win those um you know if you beat buffalo in terms of just how good you think you are right and their records aren't going to be that much different by that point anyway um so yeah, like the, the, the good thing for the 49ers is they control their own destiny. Like all, and it's tough to say, you know, it's, it's tough to be like, yeah, just finish five and O and you're in, but like, you know, these are all winnable games if you get hot here. And, and if you, if you beat the bills after what you did to the Rams last week, you're going to be rolling with a whole lot of confidence knowing that, Hey, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle are going to come back at some point. So, um, yeah, like it's, and if they lose the season's basically over right mm-hmm. so it's something where you know if they lose then then the conversation shifts from well what can they do potentially against these other teams and make this unlikely playoff run versus you know or it moves to let's talk about the draft <laughs> right? <exactly. laughs> and, and how that in quarter incorpor- how that incorporates the jimmy garoppolo conversation uh which we're going to have with, with george coming up after the break here in a little bit
2: so I wanna I wanna talk with you about three things that, that we're looking for in, in this Bills game. And then we'll also talk a little bit about the Bills with, with George. Nick Mullins is is obviously the the focal point here. If he is the disastrous version of himself that he was against the Eagles, the 49ers probably don't win another game. If he plays like he did against the Rams, they they have a shot to to win each game. If he plays better than that, they they, they can be a legitimate threat. But a key to the 49ers offensive performance in week 12 and their win over the Rams was the fact they got healthy. Raheem Mostert scored a touchdown, and the rushing attack just looked much better in the first half than it had really in any of the previous three or four games. And then Debo Samuel coming back, he obviously goes for 11 catches and 133 yards and and looks like uh, one of the most dynamic offensive weapons in the league. The Niners are gonna have Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and Raheem Mostert back uh all in week thirteen with Ayuk coming off the COVID-19 list. Is does this does does the fact that does the fact that the Niners are gonna have a full ish stable of, of weapons, obviously Sans, George Kittle, but a full ish stable of weapons change what you think Nick Mullins and and the offense can do like how much does does adding iuk into the fold matter
1: i mean a lot right like brandon iuke right, before <laughs> b- before missing before missing the last game while while being on the covid list uh he had 115 yards against the um the patriots 91 yards and a touchdown against seattle uh and 75 yards and a touchdown against new orleans And then he had to miss a game like that was a really good run for him. And Mm -hmm. you you put him back on the field. Now you have another weapon that you have to worry about if you're Sean McDermott and the Bills opposite Debo Samuel, who's coming off the best game any 49ers receiver has had this year. Right. So with those two on the field, you can do all the um, all the running stuff you do with Samuel, all the bubble screen stuff. Now you have another guy you can do that with and another guy who can. Who can press it downfield? Um, I think it, it could be, you know, I think it could be a really tough matchup for the Bills um, because of just how dynamic those guys can be, particularly within the framework of Kyle Shanahan's offense. And if you have Raheem Mostert, if he's able to get in any sort of rhythm, which he really couldn't get in um, against the Rams, then you have another piece, um, more speed to stretch the field and create space that you know could make you a whole lot more difficult to defend and and here's the thing too is like you know Kyle Shanahan and this isn't unique to him but like Kyle Shanahan divide like creates new plays him and his coaching staff create new plays based on their personnel for certain looks every week like this is part of what they do they completely um, they come in with you know 50 or 60 brand new plays some of them I mean not all of them are brand new or they're all within the framework of the offense but like they say this this is the game plan and like they haven't been able to do that with all of their guys this year. They haven't, you know, this is only the, the this will be the fifth game out of twelve that Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk have been on the field together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Raheem Mostert. I think you you told me it was what one or two times that Mostert's been healthy with those two guys on the field too.
2: Yeah, I think it was weeks five and six, the Dolphins game and the first Rams game.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. So,
2: and that was before Ayuk really kind of came into his own and and right. Right. Broke
1: out. So. So this is a group of skill guys the 49ers pretty much haven't had all year or at least, yeah. you know, this version of them potentially now that Ayuk is is in a different place career-wise and development-wise than he might have been earlier in the season. Not to um, mention
2: Jordan Reed is healthy now too.
1: Yeah, and Jordan Reed's healthy. So, yeah, I, I think this is an opportunity for, for Nick Mullins to have a good game. I think the factors are setting up in his favor. That Not to say that he will because I don't know that, I, that I've – that I trust Nick Mullins, um, to, you know, to do what he's supposed to do because it, it had, a, it hasn't always been like that for him. And some of that has to do right. with the offensive line in the running game, the offensive line needs to play better because I think the strength of the bills defense is up front. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they have a lot of talented guys in that front seven, and I think they're going to give the 49ers fit. So, you know, the, the, the Col- Colton McKivitt spot um, Mike McGlinchey at right tackle Daniel Brunskill I think the, those three guys have to have a good game for the 49ers to win if, if those guys get pushed around then it's going to be really hard uh, for Nick Mullins to be successful and I think you might see some situations where Mullins gets hit and or forces throws um, and maybe turns the ball over but if not if Mullins doesn't turn the ball over I think he has all the weapons at his disposal particularly Kyle Shanahan's mind manipulating all these things And, uh, and to, you know, to be good enough for the 49ers to win on Monday. But I, you know, I don't know if we'll get that from Mullins because this is Nick Mullins, right? Like we don't, we don't know how much we fully trust to Nick, Nick Mullins to, to win a big game like this.
2: Yeah. And I think that's where, like, that's the difference between, between a good quarterback and a, I don't want to say a bad quarterback, but like a not good quarterback or a starting quarterback and a backup.
1: Right, exactly. Is
2: the backup quarterback, you don't know what you're going to get on a game-to-game basis, whereas your starter, you're pretty much expecting that they can that they can go win all 16 games. Whereas with Mullins, his ceiling is, yeah, he throws for 300-plus yards and a couple touchdowns and looks awesome. And his floor is he throws two picks and fumbles once, and the Niners get blown out. So I – I agree with everything you just said. I think this puts him in the best position to kind of reach that ceiling, but I can't say with any certainty <laughs> that he's going to, that he's, he's, he's going to do that.
1: Yeah. Like this is really the highest stakes game. Nick Mullins has ever started. Is that fair? Yeah. Like 20, 2018. Yes. There was nothing yes. on the line the whole season when he came right. in and played well, the Niners were already out of it. Um, you know, like he's I think this is probably the highest stakes game that uh, that he'll have started to this point in his career with last week probably being <laughs> the next highest.
2: Yes. Like every just every game moving forward, the more he wins, yeah. the higher the stakes get. Yeah. And so this it, is you know, this is can we
1: can we trust Nick Mullins when when the stake excuse me. Wow, let's edit that out. Please. So can we trust Nick Mullins when the stakes are highest? I don't know that we can because the stakes have never really been particularly high for him because we haven't seen him in a, in a game that could decide whether or not the 49ers have a shot at the playoffs or not.
2: Yeah, and that's what you, you say. Can you trust him? No, but can he play well enough to to win for the 49ers? I, I think so. Yeah. I think the formula we saw against the Rams is, is one they'll try and follow again uh, against the Bills. Maybe he doesn't throw a touchdown. Maybe he only throws for 250 yards. His turnover on Sunday against L.A. was a little bit fluky. If if he can just not turn the ball over, I I think that with the weapons they have on offense, just get it to those guys and let them go. Yep. I think you can do that. I um, agree. I want to jump over to the other side of the ball, sort of. Um, sort of? Yeah, because it's talking about the Niners' defense, but through the lens of the Bills' offense. Okay. Josh Allen, the Bills quarterback has has improved vastly this year from from last year. He's already at his career high in touchdown passes with 22. His completion rate is 10 points higher than his career high. He is probably going to surpass last year's yardage total in the first quarter on Sunday. His yards per attempt is at 8. That's 1.3 higher than it, than it's ever been. He's just vastly improved uh, across the board. The thing that I think the 49ers are probably most concerned about with him, though, is his rushing ability. And it's not something where he is Kyler Murray-esque with how often or how effective he is when he takes off. But it's something that you have to account for when he gets outside the pocket because he does have such a big arm. And if he's extending plays, maybe you're not worried about him running uh, and and picking up a ton of yards. But I I do think if he escapes the pocket and the play breaks down in the back end, that's when he gets really, really dangerous.
1: Yeah. I mean, the the thing with the 49ers still, and this has really been the trend all season, they've still allowed more rushing yards to quarterbacks than anybody else. Jeez. Um, and the Bills—that's that's a big part of the Bills' game plan. I think a lot of the 49ers' yards that they have allowed have come on scrambles, like um, you know, not necessarily designed runs. Um, I, I think they've just been in bad situations where linemen are upfield and and you know maybe linebackers are in coverage or or whatever that may be. But it's still notable because um, that that's a major part of what the Bills do offensively is running Josh Allen. Uh, so I, I'm curious to see how that's going to work. Um, I'm curious to see if Kerry Hyder can continue playing at at this really high level that he's, that he's playing at right now. Um, coming off a game when, when he had two sacks against Jared Goff. And I know the, uh, uh, you know, Andrew Whitworth wasn't in that game for the Rams, but still like two sacks in an NFL game is, is still two sacks. Um, and he still leads the team. So, you know, can he, you know, the the 49ers are going to need something from him. Um, because I think he might be challenged in space at points. Uh, and I think the other defensive ends might be challenging space at points. And I don't know that these defensive ends that the 49ers have are great in space. I would certainly trust Nick Bosa to make a play like that a lot more than I would carry Hyder or Deion Jordan. Um, and you know, Eric Armstead is still probably better on the inside. He's a, he's a serviceable player as an end, particularly against the run. He's really good against the run, but you know, there hasn't been a whole lot of pass rush from, from Eric Armstead in terms of production from the outside, but yeah, you have to limit Josh Allen and you know, now you have your two, your two best cornerbacks. I think pretty clearly, I think it probably the first time. I mean, when's the last time 49ers fans have felt or have seen like it really be established who the best two cornerbacks are, because it feels like that, spot opposite Richard Sherman basically since he got here in 2018 has sort of been in flux and now with the way Jason Verrett's played this year it feels like this is the most secure the secondary has been purely from a production standpoint I mean obviously Jason Verrett's injury history is what it is and you can't you know just pencil him in to be fine just because he has dealt with so many issues but in terms Mm -hmm. of the way he's played I think this is the best combo of cornerbacks the 49ers have had in a really long time and i'd have to think probably back to you know maybe the jim harbaugh years um and carlos rogers and and those guys like jason richard sherman have a pretty high ceiling right now and you know i i think that would be fascinating with stefan diggs and the problems that he's given the 49ers in the past
2: yeah and it's so interesting watching their defense operate against the rams because they were such a pass pass rush oriented defense last year and then this season, at at least one of their two sacks on Goff were were coverage sacks, right. where he just didn't have anywhere to go with the ball. So that's that's something that I I mean I can't I don't want to I'm not going to open this can of worms, but I feel like last year it's sh- Emmanuel Mosley and Richard Sherman are very clearly their best two cornerbacks by the end of the year. But that's a that's a whole other thing.
1: Well, right, but Akela Witherspoon still started the uh the right. Minnesota game. Right, 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 right. So it was like it was always sort of like up in the air. Like who was starting at corner opposite Sherman seemed like a right. thing. You know, basically until Mosley came in and played pretty well against the Vikings and then really well against the Packers too. It was like, All right. Now now it's settled, but it's it feels like with the way Veret has played that they're just like there isn't, necess- there isn't a weak point. There isn't a guy you're going to you're gonna attack. And maybe it's in the slot because Emmanuel Mosley's going to be there because Jamar Taylor's out for the year now, too.
2: I have a couple Josh Allen stats for you.
1: Yes, let's hear them.
2: John Brown, the wide receiver from Pitt State. The 49ers know him from his days in Arizona. He is not playing. He's on IR right now with a high ankle sprain. Josh Allen this year in eight games with John Brown is completing more than 70% of his passes, 8.6 yards per attempt with a 17-4 to touchdown-to-interception ratio. In three games without John Brown, his completion rate's at 68.5%. His yards per attempt drops to 6.7, and his touchdown-to-interception ratio is 3-3. So yeah. it, I think the 49ers are seeing a worse version of Josh Allen. Another thing that doesn't really relate to Monday's game that I was just looking up because... I I was interested in it for the just dis- for the purposes of our discussion. Josh Allen this year has twenty two touchdown passes. He's rushed for six touchdowns and he also caught a touchdown. Do you know how many players in NFL history have thrown for twenty touchdown passes, had at least one receiving touchdown, and at least one rushing touchdown in a season? No. It's been done seven times. Wow. Danny White for the Cowboys did it twice. Oh, of course. 1983 and 1985. Yeah. It didn't happen again until 2016 when Russell Wilson and Blake Bortles did it. Blake then Bortles. it happened again in 2018 with Matt Ryan. Deshaun Watson did it last year, and then Josh Allen's done it this year.
1: The NFL's so weird.
2: The NFL is the weirdest league in the world.
1: Yeah, it's so weird. That's why all these quarterback convers- conversations are so funny. It's like the one quarterback year, position Quartles is is, in, is starting in the in the AFC Championship game against the Patriots and nearly winning and then a couple years later he's 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 the Broncos quarantine quarterback QB. Work. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy.
2: Let's 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 get to our third thing here so we can we can get to George. And I think we just talked about it a little bit, but it looks like Emmanuel Moses is going to start in the slot. He was limited Thursday with a hamstring, but assuming he plays, he'll start in the slot with with Verrett and Sherman on the outside. Slowing down the Bills passing attack is the the way I I I think to stop their offense. They're, they have an explosive downfield passing attack. They utilize Josh Allen's uh very big arm. And if the 49ers defensive backs are playing as well as they did against the Rams, I think that more than anything gives them a, a shot to to beat Buffalo. That's my take.
1: Yeah, I, I I don't look, you know, I think they can defend Cole Beasley. Right. So then the question becomes, who else really scares you um, on that offense? Aside from Josh Allen, and it's really only Stefan Diggs. Mm-hmm. Although Beasley does have almost 700 receiving yards, so he's he's having a pretty good season. But, like, he's not better than Cooper Cup. Sure. And if the 49ers can defend Cooper Cup, they can probably defend Cole Beasley. Um, though I think Diggs is, is better than Woods. I do think there's, there's a similarity, I guess, stylistically. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, I, I think the, the Bills, very little I know about the Bills, but I, I, if you bottle up um if you if you're able to slow down one of their receivers i think you can slow down the other you know what i mean like if you can take away one Absolutely. guy one on one then you can take an, you can take away another by by focusing on him right so i think the 49ers with ferret even mosley playing in the slot which he hasn't done a whole lot of um i think i still you know i think it's a good matchup i don't think um you know, I don't I'm not giving Mosley an advantage over Beasley, but I think he could defend Beasley well enough to the point uh, where he could do it one on one and then he can devote multiple resources to Stefan Diggs. And I, and I think that's probably the way you have to be you, you have to approach it and be creative with the way you use Jimmy Warden to various more, um, which is another interesting wrinkle, because I think you can be more creative with those guys, given their speed than you would be with Tchaikovsky Tart playing in the box, which he did a lot of when, when he was in there playing strong safety. So um, I'm not going to pretend like I've watched a ton of bills this season. I've, <laughs> I've watched, uh, I watched their game against the Chargers last week and and it just didn't seem like there was a whole lot going on with the offense from a weapon standpoint, besides Diggs. And, um, yeah. and so I, I think obviously he's their best offensive player, but, I don't look at their at their running game as particularly scary. And I think uh, I think if you slow down Beasley, then you can really slow down their offense, because if you make it where Josh Allen only has one target um, that he can reliably go to, I think he's probably going to struggle.
2: Yeah, I think that's probably right. All right, let's hit the break. And then on the other side, we will get to George Shahori from Pro Football Focus.
1: 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over because businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site. According to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time And there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore Total Visits. So it's clear Indeed can help you with the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Right now, go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Football is back in full swing, and you may not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. I know I am. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day every single day head to bet online if we're gonna play football every single day of the week this year i guess because that's just how it's gonna go you might as well bet every single day you know what i'm saying head to bet online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses and do not forget to use promo code blue wire at BetOnline.ag. that's blue wire all one word b-l-u-e-w-i-r-e all one word blue wire at BetOnline.ag. i'm telling you go there get that done And start wagering now before the season closes. Bet online. You're online. Sportsbook experts. All right, we're back. George Shahori is here from Pro Football Focus. You can follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore George. And right now, PFF has a really awesome deal going on. And I suggest everybody takes advantage. You can get 40% off. A subscription with the promo code CYBER40. That's C Y B E R 4040. 40. And I use my PFF subscription like every day, even when I'm not writing and it's just messing around, like looking at stuff on the internet. So I highly suggest uh, you take advantage of that really awesome deal right now. But George, uh, you're here and uh, you're a big Niners guy. I know for PFF, you're doing a podcast, you're covering the whole NFL, but you're dialed into the Niners because you're from the Bay.
3: I have to be. And, you know, it's some people that work at PFF, they are fans and they try to suppress their fandom. And to me, that's just like denying yourself a lot of the, the fun that you should have. And uh, so I try to I try to speak for the like logical fan because I know there's like one or two of them out there. And, uh, you know, I, and, and I try to have measured, uh, opinions on them. And I think every once in a while, I, I maybe let my, my fandom get, uh, get the best of me, but, um, no, it makes it more fun, you know, because you get to cover the league and that's awesome. You get to talk about a ton of different teams and that's great. And then every once in a while, you know, the team that you most want to talk about happens to be the topic of the day. And, uh, you know, it's been great, especially the past couple of seasons, because it had been a while, to be perfectly honest.
1: <laughs> so since you're the voice of, of the logical fan, um, I guess the biggest question facing the 49ers big picture would be looking at 2021 and what happens with the quarterback position. Um, I, I think there are good cases for and against bringing back Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think it really ultimately depends on where they end up picking in the drafts. Can they move up to get a guy in the top five? Um, or, uh, you know, how things shake out in free agency, who they can bring back and who they can't. Um, and that list obviously includes Trent Williams, the, the left tackle. But as as the logical fan take, what what do you think the best uh, the best way or the best avenue the 49ers should take when it comes to addressing the Jimmy Garoppolo situation next year?
3: Yeah, I think you hit uh, the nail on the head, right? You got to assess where you're at and then say, okay, here's, here's my best path forward. And it's interesting. I, you know, I've talked to a bunch of different people whose opinion I respect one of whom is Richard Sherman. He does a podcast with Chris Collinsworth every week. And, um, and, and Chris has asked him this question a couple of times. And, you know, I think part of it is the fact that he's obviously a teammate, but that you can tell that he has a tremendous amount of respect for Jimmy and he believes uh, certainly that the injuries that Jimmy has had have really hampered him. And, and I think it, it shows up on film very clearly. The ankle injuries, he was just not able to, to throw the ball with any kind of confidence. And that's a problem, obviously. Um, and he, he played very well last season. Um, he played very well in very crucial games. The New Orleans game comes to mind um, where, where he played tremendously well You know, in the Super Bowl he kind of got, you know, jobbed by the refs there at the end of the half. He misses Emmanuel Sanders by, you know, a couple feet and Sanders doesn't dive. You know, there's a lot of things where the narrative I think is very different, right? No injury, a couple of breaks here or there. That being said, on the, the looking at the big picture and you go, okay, given the whole sample of Jimmy G, where does he actually sit? You know, what, how good can he be? And I think you look at the data would point to he's probably at his best a top 12 guy but Mm -hmm. he's probably not cracking the top eight you know and can you win a super bowl with that you could is it easier to win a super bowl with an elite quarterback absolutely and that's what we've seen over the past um you know many many years right that elite quarterback play is um the, the biggest kind of cheat code to winning a super Bowl. So. What I would do is I would I would definitely do all of my homework on the quarterbacks in the draft because they have uh, obviously a much higher ceiling than than Jimmy G does. I would obviously you're trying to win games this year, so your draft pick will greatly dictate you know what options you have. And luckily, the way that they've structured his contract does not force them. You know, you look at the Eagles right now. Eagles mm-hmm. are in a world of, of hurt, pun that's intended, <laughs> because they're paying Carson Wentz like you know half the city of Philadelphia over the next couple of years, and with Jimmy, you know, because of the way they structure that contract, no one's going to feel bad for Jimmy G. You know, he's he's set up for for life right now, and um, is a beautiful human being, and so he'll be <laughs> fine. Uh, but you do what's best for the for the um, the team, and that's always trying to improve each position and certainly the quarterback position. So I look at a guy, maybe a Zach Wilson is a good example of a guy who might be the third quarterback off the board. Now I think he could be the third overall pick, but you've seen teams, you know, pass on quarterbacks to, to take other positions, even if they kind of need one. And so maybe he's still available a little later on. And depending on how, you know, this game goes on Monday against the bills. Now the rest of the season goes, the Niners could, you know, even be in a position to get a guy like that right there or just to trade up a few spots. And to me, that's the option that you definitely want to consider because you can't waste Kyle, Shanahan, uh, Kyle Shanahan's brilliance. You know, you have to um, give him the pieces that uh, that he deserves because his offense is as brilliant as anyone else's out there. And with the right pieces, they should be a Super Bowl contender every year.
2: You talk about teams passing on a quarterback when they need one. Uh, the 49ers did that. In, in, in <laughs> 2017, it took Solomon mm-hmm. Thomas instead. So, is there a scenario then? Because I, I, I think, and and let me know if you guys disagree, I think the 49ers have a roster that if they're healthy next year, <clears throat> and depending on how free agency goes, they could contend for a Super Bowl next year. I don't think that's crazy to say. And a rookie quarterback has never started and won a Super Bowl uh, or, or even started in a Super Bowl. So... Is that a concern to you, or do you think that Kyle Shanahan is that good that even a even a rookie could do something unprecedented in his offense?
3: Man, that it's so interesting because you bring up Shanahan's perspective and the GM's job is not to think about next year, right? Mm -hmm. So the GM's job is to say, How do I sustain excellence? What mm-hmm. gives me the best shot of that? Whereas a coach often says, what can I do this year? You know, and, and so I think from Shanahan's perspective, he would probably be on the side of, look, I know what Jimmy can do. I, Kyle Shanahan is one of the most confident human beings I've ever seen. And he deserves every ounce of it because he's that good. And I, I would swear, but you know, I, he's you really, he's really fucking good. And I say that because he, he's also a guy that likes to, to swear and I respect that about him. Um, and so I think he <laughs> believes that he can win with Jimmy Garoppolo and what John Lynch has got to do. And that's the way that their relationship will work best for the 49ers is if John Lynch says, I have supreme faith in you, I'm going to make decisions that will give you the best shot to be great for the next 15, 20, 25 years. And I know that I'm going to have to make those decisions in your you know kind of despite what you might want because you're that competitive of a guy right and i think that's where yeah. it gets in the way like are they going to compete for a super bowl with a rookie quarterback the chances say you know the odds say no but are they going to compete for a super bowl with jimmy g the odds don't necessarily point you that much strong you know it's not like that big of an edge because he's probably not going to have a top five year as a quarterback
1: for me like that makes I- sense i sort of you know i know robert griffin the third's career hasn't hasn't uh, lived up to the expectations set by his rookie season. <laughs> but that's sort of the test case, right? for Kyle Shanahan getting a rookie quarterback um and and starting him right away. And I think, you know, not not necessarily, uh you know, if the 49ers draft a rookie, um maybe it's Justin Fields and maybe they go back to that style of offense with with a lot of running from the quarterback. Um, but but I think ultimately, no matter who it is and what it looks like, I think Kyle Shanahan with Debo Samuel in his third year, Brandon Ayuk in year two, George Kittle, um, presumably you get Trent Williams back if you're not paying Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, that's a foundation that, like, that's a really great scenario for a rookie to come into. And if you insert a rookie into Kyle Shanahan's offense and the way that he develops quarterbacks, if you get a Robert Griffin the third type of season just purely from a production standpoint... I think that would be worth it. And and the, the question becomes, who's that guy? And can you get to that level with that quarterback? Because I, I think, you know, regardless of the fact that there hasn't been a Super Bowl winning quarterback as a rookie. Like, I, I think you, you still might. It still might be worth it to get that chance if you think one of these quarterbacks is special enough over the long run. Because, you know, even even if you get to, you know, you win the NFC West like that that's ultimately the goal right and then anything else is um you know like nobody's getting fired over over a division title and then losing in the playoffs like i i just think you can probably get that level of production from a quarterback in that system with all of those moving pieces and potentially um a a top 10 defense if if everybody comes back and stays healthy next year
3: what so you it sounds like you're kind of in the spot where because, look, it's Trevor Lawrence. He's going number one. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Justin Fields, who I th- – and the numbers would point to this, but I think some of the analysis on, on film and just the type of throws that they're making, you know, is where they separate. But Justin Fields has been awesome and should not have the Ohio State stigma that maybe Dwayne Haskins got and deserved. Um, and he's a, he's a mobile guy. He's also got an incredible arm. And then Zach Wilson, who I think is rising up, and you've got Trey Lance. So are you – where would you draw the line there? Because, like, if Justin Fields is possible, then, like, I don't think it's a question. Like, you're going all in. And, you know, presume presumably he passes all of the, like, you know, um, the, the personality tests that you've got, right? But, it, like, when it's – if it's Zach Wilson or Trey Lance, depending on how the assessment's – of them come out, how do you feel about those two?
1: For me, I th- I think it's the first. Like if it's the first three guys, I think it's probably worth it. If it's, um, it's not going to be Lawrence, but if it happens to f- to be Fields or Wilson, mm-hmm. um, I actually think, in the little I've watched, um, I I tend to think Wilson might be a better fit for what Kyle Shanahan wants because of all the arm talent and what he can do, um, you know, off platform and and move mm-hmm. around like he's not uh he's not an incredible athlete but you can tell he's he's an athlete enough to where you can have him moving around be part of the offense sort of like what the chiefs do with Patrick Mahomes at times mm-hmm. um but so that that's where it is for me like I'm not I'm probably not um bending over backwards for any of the other guys unless you unless you have I mean it, I trade up for for one of the top 3 guys fields or fields or wilson I would probably be willing to trade up for I don't I don't know enough about the other quarterbacks um, to, to really say. Kyle, what do you think? Um, I don't
2: I don't foresee a scenario where if the 49ers, let's say, what what are they slated to pick right now? Like 16th? If they're picking 16th, I don't see a scenario where they're getting one of those three guys hmm. between Lance and Fields and Wilson. I just don't think they'll be able to put a package together, a realistic package that this front office is going to be willing to, to put together to move up to the top 10 or nine or whatever it's going to take to get to get there
1: see i think they might because they have the talent at a lot of key positions and if you're not paying a quarterback you know if you're not paying garoppolo 27 million then maybe you can solve your cornerback issue through free agency
0: Hmm.
1: um so you're you are like it's it's definitely putting all of your chips in to win you know over the next couple years um but i i think i think you can do it particularly if you bring back Trent Williams, because you have receivers, you have a tight end, you'll put together a running game like you do every year, and you have, you know, with maybe the exception of uh, of an edge rusher um, opposite Nick Bosa, you have pretty much all of the, uh, all of the spots you need to have on defense to, to field a potential Super Bowl contender if your quarterback's good enough. And Whatever. you're not wasting
2: his rookie contract.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: One other thing that is interesting is you mentioned that the draft that I try to forget about that we all try to forget about. Um, and it's particularly hard to forget about this year. Cause Deshaun Watson is, I mean, yeah. I, that's a know, George Kittle have, draft. I mean, yeah, <laughs> right. I, the, the thing about the tough thing for me is that Deshaun Watson's probably like my favorite player in the NFL. Like I just, I, the, the way that he plays is so much fun, he's just got such a cool swagger about him. Um, but he, you know, he and Mahomes were not guys that you needed to move up into the top five four. And, you know, so that there is that potential. I think we overestimate the intelligence of a lot of NFL teams. Like, you know, <laughs> there are going to be some great receivers. Uh, well, NFL teams don't like receivers either, but maybe this year has changed that, uh, especially seeing, you know, like a team like the Giants, who hopefully now regrets um, not taking not taking a receiver. Um, but th- there are all these other positions. You know, there's a couple of really great tackles in this draft. Um, there are a couple of really good uh, edge rushers. So, you know, there is that chance also that people go, oh, you know, I don't actually want to take a guy from BYU uh, because of his uh, competition. You know, I'm, I'm reiterating some of the things that Patrick Mahomes fell for, right, at Texas right. Tech. So... Um, that gives me a little bit of hope too. And the, I think that it's a nice problem to have. It's a tricky question to figure out, but it's a nice problem to have because if you bring Jimmy G back and he's healthy, you have continuity and continuity matters. And Kyle Shanahan is the best, uh, offensive coach in the NFL right now. It's him and Andy Reid, And so you're going to be competitive. Uh, if you move on from Jimmy and you don't draft a guy, there are going to be Quarterbacks out there, um, you know that, that to be had, and that'll be interesting. Um, or, or you move up in the draft. I think any of those three options makes for an exciting season next year.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's a good point.
2: Okay, I want to try and pull this back to uh, spin this to to this season, George. How are you viewing this season from the 49ers perspective? They have an outside shot at at making the postseason. They may have to win out. Um, is that what you're kind of pulling for? Or are you in a situation where you're kind of looking and saying, hey, that's a long shot to make the playoffs. If they lose out or lose four of their final five, they put themselves in a better position to maybe move up or have a quarterback fall to them to where they can uh, better set themselves up to extend that window uh, with a uh, possibly elite quarterback
3: this is this is tricky. and um, so I'm asking you, yeah, this is this is <laughs> tricky. Now, I, a lot of times people assume uh, that uh, because I you know I work for a company that focuses on using math to analyze uh, you know sports that like you've got to think algorithmically all the time. I, this year has been such a year, right? that mm-hmm. it maybe more now than ever, I you want to root for you know teams to win. Um, and so I think this week, honestly, this Monday night game is a huge pivot point. They win this game. They've got, we would have them with a 30% chance to make the playoffs. Um, and, you know, depending on what happens with the Cardinals and the Rams, there's, you know, there's more stuff there, right? If, uh, the Cardinals were to lose, um, if the, let's say the Vikings, uh, were to lose. Um, so there are a lot of different scenarios that could put them in a position with a win on Monday against a very good Bills team to have a really legit shot at the playoffs. Right. And in that case, I, I want to see it. Like, I want to see Kyle Shanahan out-scheme someone so badly that Nick Mullins gets a gets a win <laughs> in the playoffs. Like, ha- would anything give you more pleasure? I'm, I'm thinking about potential matchups here, but, like, even if it was, I mean, if this is the Packers again, right? Like, nothing would give me more pleasure... And Kyle around. Shanahan beating Aaron Rodgers and LaFleur with <laughs> with a beautiful scheme. Like yeah, that would just be awesome. And Robert Sala, who um one of the things that was great about what Richard said this week was just how Sala gets players believing that they can play the position. It doesn't matter whether they were the starter at the beginning of the year or, you know, the the fifth guy on the bench. And I think he deserves to have some real consideration among the top head coaching candidates um you know maybe all of a brian flores who should you know be a coach of the year this year um mm-hmm. and so if they win this week i'm rooting for the playoffs if they lose this week uh then they've got probably about a 15 percent chance depending on how well uh, the other things break of making the playoffs and that's a really outside shot and in that case i'm i'm looking for the draft pick is that fair yeah I... yeah
1: yeah i think oh, that's fair i, I I think, I mean, just looking around the NFC, it doesn't feel like there's an absolute power that, no. you know, there there's no team, I don't think, as good as the Steelers or the Chiefs. Like, you look at the Chiefs, and they're very clearly head and shoulders above everybody else in the in the AFC, in my opinion. I guess you could have the Steelers up there, too, since they're undefeated. But there isn't that team to me in the NFC. So... You know, yeah, we've seen the 9-7 Giants win a Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying the Niners can win a Super Bowl or they're going to win a Super Bowl, but, like, if they get Garoppolo back and George Kittle back and then that offense is healthy and complete, then why couldn't the 49ers give everybody uh, a run for their money if they were to sneak into a playoffs coming in? And if they if they got to the playoffs, it would have to be red hot, right? So, yep. like, what, what would... You know, what would that look like if a month from now, the 49ers, they finish five and uh, four and one over the last five they get in. They get in as a nine and seven team like nobody's going to want to play them if they are. If George Kittle comes back and and Jimmy Garoppolo comes back and, and, you know, it would take Jimmy Garoppolo beating Seattle in week 17 again. And if he did that, then it would be like, all right, September and October never really happened. Like the 49ers are in this thing as much as anybody else.
3: And I would say, I mean, the NFC is super flat. Like you look at those top three yeah. teams, it's the Saints, the Seahawks and the Packers, and all of them have plenty of flaws. I mean, you know, the Saints obviously have a tight end playing quarterback. Um, the Seahawks have a defense that sometimes is like not non-existent. Um, and the Packers beat bad teams and struggle against good teams. And we just saw what the Niners did against the Rams. I, I would actually push back on your statement pretty strongly about the Steelers, like are the Steelers, just because they're undefeated, are they actually better than the Saints? In my opinion, no. Are they actually better than the Seahawks? Well, they have yeah. a way worse quarterback. Mm. Like, are they actually better than the Packers? They have a way worse quarterback. Like, you know, so I, I really think it's the Chiefs. And then there's just this massive group of teams that all have pretty big flaws. And one of the things that a great coach gives you is a little extra, you know, ability to attack flaws. And that's what Shanahan and Salah bring.
1: Yeah. And having, you know, this is more than likely going to be the last season with Robert Sala. So I can't imagine like, you know, the Niners aren't going to tank, but like this would, it might be the best defensive coach you have in a while. I mean, obviously that's going to be really important if you do Mm -hmm. get to the playoffs. So yeah, like if the 49ers get there, I think they're going to be a really tough out. I have no idea if they're capable of getting there. I just want that to be clear. Like with, you know, it's, it's, it's a long road ahead for them to get to that point, but but you make a good point, George, in mentioning like if they win Monday, then uh then they really they really seem like they would have a great shot.
2: All right, let me just to kind of bring this full circle here. If you like George, you say you want to see Nick Mullins get into the postseason, you want to see Kyle <laughs> Shanahan scheme a victory over the the Packers or whoever it may be. But it sounds like if the Niners are in that spot going into like week sixteen, and Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy, he's going to be the guy. If the Niners are four and zero, so they're eight and six, boy, going into going into week sixteen against the Cardinals in Arizona, are you wanting them to put Garoppolo in? Because for me, Garoppolo gives them they can win a Super Bowl if Garoppolo is quarterbacking. I don't think they can with
3: Mullins. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh- where where are you on on the Mullins Garoppolo? equivalency scale.
3: Yeah. Um, and this is another thing that I know Kyle Shanahan loves Nick Mullins. I mean, thinks the world of him. Now, you know, some of that is definitely you're pumping up your backup, you know, and you want people to, to respect him. And I get that. Um, here's how I would look at it. I would not look at record. I would try to evaluate what the quarterback has done. I actually think that's one of the values that PFF brings, right? People are Ooing and awing at the Steelers record and I'm sitting here going like you watching what Ben Roethlisberger's doing like he's dinking and dunking the ball down the field and like it's not that impressive so one of the things with Kyle Shanahan's system is that that can be the case you know you can have a quarterback who is really not doing a ton but the results are really good because of because of the scheme so I would try to identify, like, is Nick Mullins, has he really hit a hot streak that we do see occasionally happen? You know, is he having like a Ryan Tannehill-esque end of the season? And if he is, then I'm keeping him in. But if he's playing at the average level that Nick Mullins normally plays and you have happened to win these games, I'm not giving him more credit than he deserves. And I think that's usually a tough thing for fans to do, a tough thing for talking heads to do. But I am with you. Jimmy G gives you... He he has intangibles in his game, his extra quick release. I think that the team really believes in Jimmy Garoppolo, kind of like the anti-Kirk Cousins, so to speak. Um, and in <laughs> hmm. the playoffs, all those little things um matter because you've got to get you've you've gotta hit the lottery, you know, three, four times.
1: And what do you sense. uh give us your quick breakdown of um of the game on monday night what do you mm-hmm. think the 49ers have to do uh to slow down the bills and, and escape that one
3: josh allen has really improved he really has and the buffalo bills do a ton of very smart things they have first off built their team to really support what josh allen does well stefan diggs was a you know it's a tremendous move by them and so it, even though the niners defense is very good i the, the Bills offense is still capable of scoring points. Um, and so what will be really interesting to me is to see how this Niners offense, can it continue and, and sus- like, can it pick up a little bit of steam? Because it wasn't great, you know, against the, against the Rams. And that um, is going to be very interesting. If they win another, you know, like kind of dogfight and we see Nick Mullins, maybe not you know playing at that that level that we want to be very interesting um but i think for them to win this game they are going to have to nick Mold's going to have to have some consistency Ayuk and samuel are going to have to get fed the ball um because i think they can take advantage of it um and, and put up some points because um, jo- what josh allen's fond digs bring to the table is something that even the best defenses are, are not going to be able to stop consistently um and um so, so to me, it's about uh, about that passing game, about Nick Mullins showing up and, and playing well.
2: It's George Chihori, Pro Football Focus. Check it out. Cyber40 is the promo code. Get 40% off your subscription at pff.com. George, thanks so much, man. Hey,
3: I really appreciate it, guys.